Well, okay, somewhere around in there, but you know, what, what difference does it make? You know, praise the Lord. I mean, whatever I am, you still have trouble keeping up with me. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. When you learn how to talk, it'll change your whole world. I'm completely convinced that the church, we don't read this book not very well. And when we do read it, we read it like a novel and we don't believe it. Because it's pretty powerful, isn't it, Michael? Pretty awesome. But I got a feeling when the king wrote this book for us, he meant just exactly what he said. And he will hold every one of us accountable for this book just exactly like it is written. Wow, that's scary. That really is scary to think. But it's good news because if you do what he says, you know, you're saved. How do you know you're saved? Because it's written in the book. Jesus said, if I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth, I'm saved. I'm saved, right? Amen. And that means, praise the Lord, I'm going to walk in love and do what he says. And that means I'm going to get to serve him. And the kingdom of heaven is already here. It's on this earth. And we're serving him right now. I used to read those, hear those uh, songs, you know, that we would sing. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Hey, what about right now? Hey, right now, you know. I mean, I'm in heaven right now. You know, I've already come to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. The kingdom of heaven is in me. It's in you. Not when we get there. We're already there. You know, we're supposed to be reigning and ruling with the king now. We've been given power and authority now. But we don't believe what this book says. So tonight, I'm going to, I'm going to do a little bit of uh, reading and studying, and we're going to do a little talking out of the book of Proverbs. Now, if you haven't read the book of Proverbs lately, you need to read it every day. <laughs> you need to read a little Proverbs. I will have to say that the, the NLT is probably the one of the easiest, uh, along with the Amplified, but the NLT is one of the easiest. Now, I'm not going to teach you how the NLT tonight. I'm going to teach you how the King James. But the NLT, when I just sit down and want to read, just do some wonderful, gentle, you know, reading. Do you, do you have an NLT? You like it too? Man, I love it. You know, I really just like to sit down and read the NLT. I, re- I can read it, just read so comfortably. You know, so I don't know. Have, have, how many of y'all in here have done any reading out of an NLT? Some of you have. Do y'all like it? Yeah, I do. I do too. I really do like it. So, uh, but anyway... Tonight we're going to read and we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 4 to start off with. And we're just going to start, uh, I guess at verse 1. It's such an awesome uh, book. Hear ye children the instructions of a father and attend to no understanding. The father. <clears throat> of course, he could be talking about an earthly father there, and or he could be talking about our heavenly father there. But I do know some earthly fathers that cannot give you understanding. They don't have it. But some can. You know, now, 
The only way you can, as a earthly father, and you can give to your children good instructions is if you're well-founded in this book. Otherwise, the instructions you give your children is not very good. Now, you may be a Christian, you may go to church, but if you don't study the Word of God, you will have really no understanding and no wisdom. And it's unfortunate we got an enemy out there to do everything he can to keep us as fathers out of the Word of God. So, this is where we get it, right here. For I will give you good doctrine and forsake you not my law. I will give you good doctrine. This is, this is the best doctrine I've ever seen right here in this book. It says, For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother, He taught me also and said unto me, Let your heart retain my words. It's amazing how many times these kind of statements are made in the Bible. Words, the whole kingdom of God revolves around words. If you don't learn how to talk, you will kill yourself. Or you will kill your mate. Or you will kill your children. Or your grandchildren. You have to learn how to control your words. Now, very few people that I've ever come in contact with have studied the Word of God in depth enough to know the power that's in your words. It's amazing how that... In fact, I was just talking to a, a young lady here just a few minutes ago in the group. And she was telling me about how dry her legs get in this kind of weather. And, you know, she's talking about, you know, creams and stuff like this. I told her, I said, you need to speak to your body. Now, see, we never think about speaking to our body. In other words, if our face starts to chap in the wintertime due to the dryness and the dry humidity, or our lips start to chap or anything, we always look to man's Things instead of speaking to our body. But words. In other words, people say, gee, that sounds crazy to be able to speak to your body. Jesus is the one that gave us these instructions and he said, speak. Now somebody said, I don't believe you can change your body by speaking. Well, let me give you an example of how powerfully and how quick you can change a body. And many of you have heard me tell this story, but I'm going to tell it again because it's so good. The very first date Cheryl and I went on after God told us to get married, whenever I asked her to marry me that night, that morning when the Lord told me to marry her, and that night I asked her, you know, she was standing right here that night after Bible study was over, and we went down to a little restaurant and had a cup of tea together, first time I'd ever been out with a woman by myself since my wife had died, and I asked her to go have a cup of tea with me, and she did. And after I asked her if she'd marry me that night, and she said yes. Now, that's a little unusual, isn't it? But, you know, I mean, that's what I do to all girls when I go out with a good lady girl, ask her to marry me, you know, before I even held her hand. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a lie. I've never done that before in my life. But I did that night, and, of course, she accepted. And then a week later, about a week later, we had our first date, and on that first date, we're just sitting, talking, you know, like a couple of teenagers. Well, maybe like a couple of teenagers. We're out till all hours of the night. You know, 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, we're still sitting in the car talking. 
I mean, just sitting there talking. She's on her side. I'm on my side. You know, although she's agreed to marry me, I don't even have my arm around her or nothing. We're just talking. You know, so I'm trying to learn something about her, and she's trying to learn something about me. And all of a sudden, she cranks the car up, 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. And I said, what, why are you cranking the car? She said, because my legs and feet are cold, and I need some heat. And I said, but, you know, this is May, and it's warm outside. I said, have you had this problem long? Well, she said, all my life. See, we just, whatever we've had all of our life, we just buy into this. I asked her the question. I said, do you want to stay like this, or would you like to have your feet and legs warm? Well, she said, I'd like to have them warm. I said, well, you know, Jesus did say in Matthew eighteen nineteen that if two of us on earth agreed about anything we ask him for, he would do it. Did he not? It's amazing how we hear those things, but so many times we never act on those, do we, Rosemary? We never think about asking God to do something like, you know, reject, rebuke the enemy that's blocked the blood flow in her legs. And so, you know... I just told her, I said, well, if, you, if she said, well, no, I'd like to have warm legs. I said, well, just take your shoes off and throw your feet over that console. And so she did. And when she did, I grabbed her legs right there. And I said, now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I started going down her legs there. I said, I'll rebuke the enemy that's blocked the blood flow in the arteries and the veins in Cheryl's leg. And I began to come on down. Of course, she had socks on, but her feet, I could feel how cold her feet was. And I said, I rebuke that enemy, and I ask you, Father, in Jesus' name, to open those arteries and those veins and let the blood flow like it's designed to flow so her feet and legs will be warm. I said, Lord, you told us if two of us on earth agreed about anything, you would do it for us. I said, so thank you, Father. It's done. I said, do you agree with that, Cheryl? She said, I do. I said, well, then thank the Father for doing it. She said, Lord, thank you for healing me. And the minute she said thank you, her feet got warm in my hands. And she's never had cold feet again to this day for a woman that had to sleep in double socks and long flannel pajamas. She hadn't had that problem since then. No more socks. Don't have to sleep in no flannel pajamas. Don't have to have double socks. Keep her feet warm. Now, she'd only been like that all of her life. Now, how did we get that done? With words. Isn't that amazing? So that's just like when I was talking to this other precious young lady there a while ago, when she was talking about, you know, her legs chapping and things. I said, you need to speak to your body. You need to command the, the cells in your body to produce the proper oils so that your body, so your legs don't chap. And somebody says, I don't believe that'll work. Well, there's definitely not any use for you to try it if you don't believe it's going to work. You know, if Jesus said it, what I Oh, yeah. See, now that's another thing that she just brought to my attention, that whenever uh, she was little, her daddy had cold feet, and her mother constantly said, well, you know, you're just like your daddy. You have cold feet and cold legs, just like your daddy. So she, her mother said that all the time, which spoke a curse, which allowed the enemy to mess up her legs and feet all of her life. Isn't that amazing? So, there's power in your words. Now then, before we go any further right there, I'm going to keep a finger there. I'm going to take you to a powerful statement in uh, James chapter 1, just past the book of Hebrews. I want you to see what this says here in James chapter 1. In James chapter 1, I mean James chapter 3, excuse me. 
James chapter 3, verse 1. James chapter 3, verse 1 says, My brethren, be not many masters or teachers, knowing that we shall receive the greatest condemnation. Now, if you're a teacher of the Word, whatever you learn, you better learn it well. Because God's going to hold you accountable for it. And then if you learn it and then you don't do what it says, then that will bring condemnation or sickness and disease upon your body. So you don't want to do that because look what he says here in verse 2. For in many things we offend all. For in many things we offend. In fact, in Luke, the Lord says it is impossible, but offenses will come. I mean, people are going to be offended. I mean, it's just amazing how that we say things and people receive offenses. But it will cut your power off with God when you receive one. So don't receive those offenses. But anyway, it says, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word. Now there's that word again. If you offend not in word, the same is a... What is he, Michael? Perfect man. Ooh! He's a perfect man. Would you like to be a perfect man? Well, you know what I'm going to have to do to be perfect? I'm probably going to have to put something like this on there, right? Because it's hard to watch what you say, isn't it? I mean, it's definitely hard to watch what you say. I mean, you could even take your one of your children or your mate or whatever, and something can happen, and if you're not careful, you can say the wrong things. And that's one of the reasons that we have so many divorces in the church today. Because people say the wrong things. If people said the right things and perfect things, we would never have a divorce in the church. Never. And we should never have one. But we do not study the Word. So by not studying the Word, he says, In many things we offend all. If any man, that means women too for you ladies, if any man or woman, that's, that's a man, if, if offend not in word, the same is a perfect person or man or woman, and able also to bridle or to control how much of your body? How much? The whole thing. In other words, somebody says, you got to be crazy. You're telling me I can talk to my body? Well, Jesus give us this principle when he spoke to the fig tree, and the fig tree died. And then they said, Lord. He said, may you never bear fruit again. And that fig tree died, didn't it? Then they said, Lord, how did you do this? He said, I tell you the truth. Not only can you do what I did to that fig tree, but you can speak if you have faith. (laughs) And don't doubt in your heart. You can speak to that mountain and command it to move from here to yonder, and it will move. And he said, so therefore, whatever you say with your mouth, if you believe it with your heart, you shall have it. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? That is extremely powerful. Now, think. And some of you have heard this story. Some of you may not have. But just think, just a few weeks ago, on the telephone with a man at least a thousand miles from where I am in this area here, on Sunday night after church, I used that same verse in Mark eleven twenty three, 
where Jesus said, whatever you say with your mouth, if you believe it with your heart, you shall have whatever you say. Now, that's a pretty awesome statement from the king of the universe. So I took that verse and I spoke to a man that was a doctor in Salt Lake City, Utah, and commanded his back to be healed, which had fell out of a tree on Tuesday. This was on Sunday night. And I spoke and I said, now Mark eleven twenty three, Jesus says, whatever I say with my mouth, if I believe with my heart, I can have it. So I said, in the name of Jesus, I command your back to be healed totally, completely, perfectly. And I said, Lord, thank you for doing it for him. I said, now, sir, I guarantee you'll get a supernatural healing from the king and his name is Jesus. Now, does it take faith to believe a statement like that? It most definitely does. But guess what the king did? He instantly healed that man's back. How did we get that done? With words. Did he just say in the book of James that with a word I can control the body? The whole body. So that also means from what he said in Mark eleven twenty three, with words I can speak the right thing and get a man healed a thousand miles away over the telephone. Or what if I'd have spoken the wrong thing? What if I'd have said, oh, well, you dummy. You need to be sick anyway. It's a good thing you fell out of that tree. I mean, do, do people say those kind of things? Now, let me tell you how we do it quite, not quite so badly. Don't you children dare run outside in your bare feet or you'll catch your death of cold in this cool weather. Now, that come right out of mother's mouth. Now, does that a curse? Yes. You don't know when you do that that you're speaking a curse upon your children. How many mothers in here have ever done that? I mean, I thought if you were, if you were truthful, probably every one of you would have to hold up your hand. I should have said how many of us in here have done that, including the men. Then we'd all have to hold up our hand too. Because we have spoken curses over ourselves and over our mates and over our children. Not realizing what we were doing. But when you realize the power in your words, you will stop speaking negative things. You just don't, you just don't realize that this book means what it says. Oh my goodness gracious, you know, I'm over 40 years of age and I just can't do nothing no more. I'm just getting, I'm just getting fat and I, I'm, I, my body's getting fat. It seems like every time I eat something, I gain five pounds and I'm getting where I can't get out of bed in the morning. I can't bend over to put my socks on anymore. I, but that's just what happens to you when you get old. You ever heard anybody over 40 or 50 make them kind of statements? <laughs> Guess what? When you start speaking to your body, your body's going to hear that, isn't it, Rosemary? It's going to hear it, and it's going to say, well, he thinks he's old and wore out, and he can't do anything, so I'll just make it happen like that. See, you know, most of us don't believe that what we say is going to affect us, because if we did, we would change what we say. But the Word says it will. You know, if you believe this book... And you believed you could control your tongue, and you, I mean, if, if your tongue could control your body and your health over your children, over your wife, over your grandchildren, 
what would you always make sure you said? Blessings. Blessings. That's absolutely right. In fact, I can remember, I can remember years ago, uh, I, I didn't understand these principles very well at all. Not at all did I understand these like I do now. But I remember the very first time that a little guy about so big was there in church and uh, I was up at Lakeland Baptist Church where I was going to church and I walked up there and I like to do these kind of things and I'd heard about blessings. And so I walked up there one day and laid my hand on a little boy and I said, talking to his daddy, I said, boy, that young man there, look at the potential in that boy for the kingdom of God. I said, I was want to bless you, son. I want to bless you in the name of Jesus. I want to bless you with knowledge and wisdom and understanding. And may God use you mightily for his kingdom. I said, there's no telling what the king will do with you if you'll just put him first as you go through life. Ten years later, that mother and father came to me and she said, you have no idea the impact you had on our child. She said, that's all he talked about for months. If Mr. Scrivener sees I have that kind of potential, he said, I'm going to do something wonderful for Jesus. I had no idea what I was doing. But out of my mouth were speaking words. Now, what if I'd have walked up to him and looked at him and said, Kid, you ain't much, are you? You little dummy. You don't look like you can do nothing. Do you hear people talk to their children like that? Too often. Why can't you do something right like your brother or your sister? I mean, your brother does good in high school. You do lousy. Why can't you do something good? You're just a dummy. You won't never amount to nothing. I have heard parents speak those things over their children. Isn't that amazing? What did Jesus say? You're going to have whatever you say with your mouth. If you're going to have whatever you say with your mouth, do you think you ought to watch what you say? I mean... I mean, after all, if you can control your whole body. In fact, I'll give you an example. There was a little lady the other night. We were at a meeting. And I went to, we, Cheryl and I went to this meeting. And there was a good little, little Christian girl there. And after the meeting was over, Cheryl sent her over to my way. And she came over there. And she's just really unhappy. I mean, she's, I said, what's wrong with you? And she says, well, I had a pap smear this week. And I got the results. And it's terrible. And also they checked my blood pressure, and I'm having trouble with my heart. And she said, you know, I mean, here she is like 38 or 39 years old, and she's a basket case. She's falling apart on all the words are negative and wrong. And oh, she said, I guess I need you. Cheryl sent me over here for you to pray for me. I said, well, first thing i got to do, I want to, show, I want to show you who you are. She said, what do you mean? I said, you're a princess of the king of the universe. I said, this is a devil messing with you, girl. I said, Jesus bore your sickness and removed your disease on the cross. And then he made, he said, I said, all you got to do is repent of all your sins. And when you get your sins repented of, we're going to take this magnificent promise the king gave us in Matthew 18, 19, where he said, if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask me for, it will be done for you. He said, Thurman, that's too awesome. I said, no, but that's in the word. Well, maybe it's answered, maybe it's not his will for me to be yes for me. I said, oh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 said, if you're in Christ. I said, are you in Christ? She said, yes. I said, all the promises of God are yes and amen if you're in Christ. She said, that's in the Bible? I said, yes. Isn't that good news? She said, yes, pray for me and I'm going to be healed. So I prayed. I got her faith up there where I needed to get it. I prayed the prayer of faith with words. 
rebuked the enemy, spoke to her heart and all that stuff. And the next Thursday night, we were at that same place at a meeting. And that little girl come bouncing in. She was radiant. She was smiley. She couldn't hardly wait to get over, run over, grab me. She said, I got my results. I had to go back Friday for another test. And I got the results back today. And there's not one single thing wrong with me. Nowhere. I got a good pap smear and a good heart. Uh, hey, how did we get that done? With words. Now then, like I told her, I said, this is what you were doing when I met you. Oh, I had a terrible pap smear. It's so bad. Oh, I know I've got something bad. And my heart's not working very good. I guess I'll have a heart attack. That's not exactly what a young woman 38 years old needs to be saying, is it, Shelley? But what was she doing? She was speaking a curse over herself. See, she didn't have a clue what she was doing. But see, the enemy gets through to us this way. You go in and you have a test, regardless, pap smear, whatever it is. You go in and you have a test and it comes back negative. And for, what do you do? You go call all your friends. Oh, my gosh, I had a bad pap smear. Oh, you got to pray for me. I'm terrible. I guess I probably have cancer. But Hey, you got to teach that woman how to talk before you can get her healed. I mean, you've got to teach her how to talk. She does not realize what the power she has in her words. Now, one more time, since we're so dense, especially for us guys. Now, you women are supposed to get this the first time, but us guys, we don't never get nothing the first time. It takes at least twice for us. So, for the women and the men... If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to control or bridle your whole body. Now, do you want your body to be sick? Just keep speaking sickness and disease and it will be sick. If you want it to be well, then you've got to speak what you want. Now, most of us don't realize this principle is so real. So we go around speaking negative things. When the Word of God clearly says what we can do if we will speak words of faith. You'll be amazed what you can do in words through prayer. I mean, you can change your whole world around you. I mean, I think... I'm not sure I remember this story right, but I'm going to try to tell it. If I told it wrong, I know he'll correct me back here. This police officer we got here, one night he was chasing someone, and the guy was driving wild and crazy, and the first words out of his mouth were, I guess this guy will run over somebody and kill them. And then he realized what he said wrong. And he said, No, Lord, I repent. Do something to stop him in the name of Jesus. And I think he went around one or two more corners and ran under the back of an 18-wheeler and stopped him dead right there, and he didn't hurt nobody. Something like that happened. I, is that about the way it was? Somewhat like that. I don't remember all the details. But I do know that when he changed the way he was speaking words, the guy was subdued and stopped instead of killing somebody. But you have to be careful how you speak words. Because you control a lot more than just your body with words. Now, you kids, be careful tonight when you go out. You really need to be careful. You might get in an accident and one of you gets seriously injured and wind up in a hospital. 
Our mother might say, be sure and put on clean underwear in case you have to go to the hospital. I've heard mothers say that. I have heard mothers tell their children that. I, I, I just blows me away at, at how little we understand about the principles of the Word of God. VJ, you ever heard a mother say that? <laughs> oh, goodness gracious, a lot. See, some of y'all are hitting you right where you live. So you need to make sure that you speak good things. You have such power in your words. Now let's go over to Proverbs. Back over here. <clears throat> After he's talked about there in verse 4, he said, Let your heart retain my words. Now, the Word of God, as we read it, and keep my commandments and live. Now, if you retain these words, if you retain these words and you keep God's commandments, what does He, what does he say you'll do? Live. You'll live. Okay, how many of you want to die? Nobody wants to die. We all want to live. But you would think we all wanted to die the way we talk. Because that's all we do is talk death and destruction. Now then it says, get wisdom, get understanding, and forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. We don't realize how many times this word is used. Our words are so important. And of course, God's word is the most important of all the words. But he watches over his word to perform it. And when we speak his words, we see great and wonderful things happen. And verse 6 says, Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Now, where can you get wisdom? The only place you can get wisdom. Let's go back to James chapter 1. I'm going to show you one more time the different places in the Bible. From Old Testament to New Testament speaks these things. But when you go to uh, James chapter 1 in verse 5, James chapter 1 verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, now I don't know, <clears throat> I think everybody lacks wisdom. When I got a hold of this, I'd done a lot of praying and asking for wisdom. This is one of the things I ask for virtually every day of my life, especially when I was in the engineering world building and designing equipment. I asked for God's wisdom, and He just, just done awesome things. If any of you lack wisdom, let him <clears throat> ask God. Can you think of a higher source to ask than the king? When you need wisdom, don't come ask me for wisdom. I gotta go to Him too. But ask God. <clears throat> then he says, He gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to you. I mean, you think, well, gee, anybody can get it then. It's really simple. All I got to do is just ask and it's mine. <clears throat> well, no, there's a requirement. Look at verse 6. But let him ask in faith. Let him ask in faith with only a little bit of wavering. Oh, that's not what he said, was it, Brother David? 
when, since God is a faith God, when you ask Him something, I don't care what it is, how do you have to ask? In faith. Nothing wavering. Now, here's what we do. We'll say, Lord, I need wisdom. I'm going to go out today and I, I have a great chore before me. And I ask you to give me wisdom and understanding how to do this. And Lord, I want to thank you for doing it, Father, in Jesus' name. And then you go out and your wife walks up and says, well, where are you going? Well, I'm going to go to work. I've got this massive project today and I don't know how I'm going to get this thing done. Did you just sin? Yes, you did. You just sin. Did you ask God to give you wisdom? Did you ask in faith? No. If you had, if your wife said, where are you going? You said, I'm going to tackle the world today. I just asked the king to show me how to build and design a piece of equipment. And I know this one's going to knock their socks off because I've asked him to show me how to do it. And I know he's going to do it. Now, that sounds like faith, doesn't it, Michael? Now, see, that's the way. That's faith. When you go out there, the king says, "Woo! just get out there and get on that drawing board or whatever you're going to do. And I'll show you how to do it. Isn't that amazing? But see, there's a difference between faith, asking faith, and asking wavering. Well, God's a faith God. And He says clearly in His Word, in Hebrews eleven six, without faith it is impossible to please me. That's why so many people don't get healed. You know, they'll ask God to do something. Of course, one of the reasons they don't get healed is because they're sinning. They're not walking in obedience to the Word. And they've opened the door wide open to the devil. And even when some people repent then, they just can't seem to ask in faith. So many people say, well, I'm not worthy to be healed. Well, as long as you think like that, you won't never be healed. But when you say, hey, I'm a daughter or a son of the king of the universe, and he's already bore my sickness, removed my disease, and he told me to ask and confess my sin to him, and he's righteous and just to forgive my sin and restore me to fellowship. So I'm, I'm back in the kingdom now. So, Lord, I need this healing. But thank you, it's done. And just get up and walk it out. And it, it may take you five minutes, five seconds, five days, you know, five weeks, five months. But if you don't doubt, you will get your healing. God promised it every time. He promised it. <clears throat> but he says there in verse 6, When you ask for wisdom... Or anything, this principle is the same. You must ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. So look, verse 7 is a kicker. For let not that man or that woman, that person, think that they shall receive anything of the Lord. Because a double-minded person is unstable in all his ways. Is that what the book said? Yes. If it reads just like that, then you're going to have to change some things. You're going to have to change the way you do business. If you want to walk in divine health. Now, I don't know about you, but I love walking in divine health. I don't want to be sick. Do you, Keith? No. We don't want to be sick. We don't even want to have a headache or nothing, do we? No, we want to walk in divine health. Well, that's what God has provided for us if we will do everything He says in His Word. If we will walk in obedience to His Word, we can walk in divine health. I mean, it's, it's the best place I've ever walked. 
I tell you, it's just, it's amazing to, to, to take sickness and disease out of your vocabulary. Don't even have to worry about it. You know that the Lord is going to direct your steps. You don't even have to go there. You just know it's already done. The devil tries to come up on you and do something. You think, whoops. If something comes up on you and you start having something, even like that runny nose. I was telling y'all, some of y'all the other day heard me. Uh, the enemy come up on me before the afternoon was over and I began to get a little bit of stopped up head and I rebuked the enemy and the next day was worse and I continued to rebuke the enemy and come against him and the next day was worse and I thought, what is this? What is this? Why can't I kick this beast out? I said, Lord, you said in your word, no curse comes upon me undeserved. I said, so where did I sin? How did I mess up? What did I do wrong, Lord? And the Holy Spirit revealed to me just as clear. He said, you lied. I said, I didn't lie. He said, you did. I said, who did I lie to? He said, your wife. I said, I lied to Cheryl. I said, Lord, how did I do that? He said, she walked in the other afternoon about 3 o'clock and said, have you eaten today? And I said, no. He said, you had a bowl of cereal at 9 o'clock that morning. You lied to her. I thought, Lord. He said, did I say... Live in truth. Did I say gird your lords about with truth? Otherwise, the fiery dart of the devil will come in and hit you. Did I tell you that? Yes, he sure did, didn't he? You mean, Lord, I can't even tell a little bitty lie? I didn't intend for it to be a lie. See, she said, have you eaten today? See, she said, have you eaten today? How many of you guys know it would be a whole lot better or advantageous to us if we'd listen to every word our wife says and not just part of them? See, I heard, have you eaten? And I said, no, I'm thinking lunch because it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. But she says, have you eaten today? And I said, no. But I had a bowl of cereal at 9 o'clock that morning. So, when she said, have you eaten today? And I said, no, what did I do? I lied. So, now I'm a liar, right? That's the way the devil sees me, right? So, he says, oh, bam, let me shoot this fiery dart right at you. And he did. And my head began to stop up. And I began, you know, and I fought this thing for three, at the third day. I said, Lord, I repent. I repent. I'll be very careful. And of course, since then, a couple of times, she said, have you eaten today? And I said, I got you that time, honey. Yes, I had cereal early this morning, but I hadn't had anything since then. I'm very good. I thought, another thing is, is made me start listening to her words a little closer. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? See, we don't realize what we say and what we do. Sometimes we don't even know what we do when we sin. Do you know sometimes we sin and don't even know we've sinned? And that's what happened to me. I didn't realize I had sinned. And of course, after I repented, I said, now, devil, you have no legal right to me. I've repented, and I'm not going there. I'm not going to lie no more. I said, I'm going to walk holy and obedience to your word. And it still took me one more full day to kick that devil out. He didn't go away easy. Somebody says, gee, do you think God expects us to walk with no sin? That's what he said in the word, wasn't it? That's kind of hard to do in the Deborah. Kind of hard to do. But do you want to walk in divine health? Then you're going to have to watch your words. You're going to have to watch your words. Your words can make you sick. Your words can kill you. Or your words can make you walk in divine health. But this book, 
is so precise on what it says. <clears throat> if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God. What did he tell us in Proverbs to get a hold of? Wisdom. Get wisdom, get understanding. Where are you going to get it? You're going to ask God for it, and you're going to ask Him day by day. Now, you can't ask Him for unlimited wisdom each day. Say, Lord, you can't just say, give me all the wisdom in the world today, and I don't ever have to come back for no more. He don't give you that much, does He, Don? He gives you a little for today. And tomorrow you need to ask again. So you can master today. Whatever the problem is today, you can ask the Lord for wisdom, and He will give you the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding and if, when you get a hold of that Spirit of God, and you can ask the Spirit to guide you and direct you, it will be amazing, absolutely amazing. That's just like the other day, how, when you learn to listen to the Spirit. I, other, other, it's been several months ago, actually. I, when I say the other day, it's been quite a while. But anyway, they had opened up this uh, uh, George Bush freeway. It, it wasn't open on around at the time, but it was open from up there close to Louisville coming around. I had a meeting over in Garland or somewhere over there. I don't even remember where it was. But I had worked too long out at the ministry center. And then when I looked at my watch, I said, Oh, my goodness gracious, there is no way. The only way to get to this place, I, I knew I could come over to Louisville, come down 35 to 635, go way out here, and then go north to this place. And I thought, there ain't no way this time of day I'm going to make that run and get there on time. I said, Lord, I've got to have some help. You're going to have to help me get there. So I said, thank you, Lord. And he, I never heard a thing. And I'm going to zip into Louisville, come down 35, and I get just about 200 yards before I get to the George Bush exit. And he says, take the George Bush. I immediately says, Lord, I don't know where the George Bush goes. I ain't never been on it. Well, it don't make no difference. If God tells you to take it, you've got to trust him. You gotta fly blind there, right, Keith? That's like following that little instrument when you can't see nothing out there in front of you, right? So, that's, that, that's the way we are. I said, Lord, I don't know where the George Bush goes. And I'm getting real close to that exit. You know, and the cars, my hands are wanting to turn down. And I said, Lord, I don't know where the George Bush goes. And I get nervous. I said, okay, I'll just take it. And I get up on top of that thing. I said, I sure hope you know where you're going, Lord. <laughs> oh, the man of faith. Oh, my lands. So anyway, I get on the George Bush and I drive. And I drive. And then I come to one of them things you got to put 75 cents in. And then I come to another one. There's another 75 cents. And then I come to a third one. When I get to that one, I stop and go, there's a man there in the little deal. I thought I better go through. I don't have a clue where I'm at. I hadn't seen no signs. I know. I said, sir, do you know where 190 is? He said, this is 190. I said, you mean I'm on 190? He said, yes. I said, great. I said, you know where a certain street is? He said, it's the next exit. I said, wow. So I went through the toll booth, go down to the next exit. There it was, pulled off and looked up on top of the hill. And there's a place I'm supposed to speak right there. I was 15 minutes early. See, what happens when you learn to listen to the voice of God? You get wisdom. He speaks it, but you've got to yield to it when He talks to you. You know, if you don't know where you're going, you know, we have to try to rationalize everything and if I'd have been over that a couple of times, he wouldn't have to told me, would he? But I had never, no idea where it went. I had never been there. So it's amazing when you start praying and asking God for wisdom, how when he talks to you, and so many times you'll rationalize things like I do, and then you won't do what he tells you. And then that's when I get in trouble. When I don't do what the king tells me to do, 
then I always miss it. But as long as I listen to him, I never miss it. And he says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all you're getting, get understanding in verse 7. Exalt her, and she shall promote you. She shall bring you to honor when thou doest, when you do embrace her. So embrace wisdom and understanding. You know, pray. See, God, you can't get this wisdom in the world. The only place you can get it is from God. She shall give to your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory shall she deliver to you. A crown of glory. You know, that's one of the crowns I didn't talk about. A crown of glory. I never thought about that one. I have missed that one. All the times I've read this, how about that? A crown of glory. I just saw that for the first time. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. When you go, when thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened, and when thou runnest, you shall not stumble. You know, when I used to work out there at Sky Shift, I wore boots all the time. And the floors out there are slick. There's water on them. There's food, especially in the dish room. I mean, it's so hazardous walking through the dish room. I walked through there one day. Of course, it's only been about five years ago, so I was, you know, 61, 62 or whatever. I walked into there, and I stepped on a pad of butter, and my foot slipped like that. And when it did, then I caught myself, and this two or three of the younger men over there watching me. And they come over there, and he said, Mr. Scrivener, I have never seen anybody recover like that in my life. He said, I don't see how you can do that at your age. I said, the Word of God says he shall order my steps and I shall not stumble or fall down. I said, I'm walking in obedience to his word. And they said, man, I've seen people step on something like that and fall down and break their back or break a leg. I said, but you won't never see that happen to me. Right where I'm at right there? It was right there. I just read it. Yeah. Well, yes, yeah, also in Psalms 91, but right here in verse 12, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 12, he says, you know, you shall not stumble. That's in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 12. But also uh, in Psalms 91, he also says that if we will serve him and walk in obedience to his word, he shall send angels to pick us up so that we shall not fall, so we shall not dash our foot against the stone. So he will protect you. I mean, if you walk in obedience to God's word, he will protect you in everything. What? Verse 10. Verse 10? Which one? Verse 10 there. Oh, hear, hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of your life shall be many. Oh, okay, that's a great one. That, yes, that is a great one right there. Hear these words. Hear my teachings, my son. And receive my sayings. Receive my words or my sayings. That's what he's trying to say there. And the years of your life shall be many. Now, I know everybody wants to have a few short years on earth, don't you? No, No, not hardly. We want to have many long, good, productive years of good, long health with no sickness and no disease. 
I want to be young and vibrant. I love being able to do what I do. I love to be able to work and run and play. And I love to, I mean, I'm going to tell you something that, you know, I hear a lot of men. In fact, I remember many men in my life that I've come in contact with that absolutely, after they pass 50, the only way they can put their shorts on is set down and put them on. Many men, I know, they can't put their socks on. They can't do none of that stuff. Well, let me tell you, I can still take mine out of the rack and stand straight up and put them right on and don't even have to bend over. I love being able to do that. Well, let me tell you, it hadn't come easy. But I'm going to be doing that when I'm 92. So don't anybody think it's going to be anything different because I'm never going to confess the wrong things. I'm going to speak to this body, and this body is going to be young and vibrant. And I'm going to, just like, well, today, Cheryl come over. She said, have you got the key to the house? And I said, no, I left it over at the little house. And uh, I said, you want it? She said, sure, I need it. I said, good, I'll run right over there and get it. Well, see, that's what I meant. I ran all the way over to the little house to get the key. And then when I got over there, I left my keys in the truck. So I had to come all the way back. and didn't go all the way back. So I got my exercise. Now then, you know, I mean, it's only a couple of hundred yards is probably all it was, you know. But, you know, I know a few men at 67 years old, if they run a couple of hundred yards, their tongue would be dragging the ground. <laughs> you may be one of them. You may not have to be 40. You may not be my age. You may be 40 years old and your tongue would be dragging the ground if, if you run 200 yards. But if you're like that, you need to get in good shape. You need to start doing a little exercise. You need to start speaking to your body. And if you'll do everything the Lord says here in verse 10, hear his words and receive his sayings, and the years of your life shall be many. Now, I want long, many lives, many years of good life. But you would think that lots of people don't the way they talk. You hear them all the time talking about how sad they are. Or you hear people's mates talking about their they're made about the shape they're in. Every word out of a, when a man and a woman get married, the two become one. So your word, both of you, the words that comes out of your mouth should be the word of God so that you both can live long on the earth. Both of you. When you learn to speak God's word, in fact, I'm just going to take you to a place right now that when, when the Lord says, if you will, in the, under the Old Covenant, he says, If you'll hear my words and receive my sayings, and then the years of your life shall be many. I want to take you to John chapter 8, and I want you to see what he said in John 8. Now, for the average church member, this is a little more than most people can grasp. But it's in the Word. And so if the Word said it, That means if I can do what he says, I can walk here. But in John 8, John chapter 8, verse 51, John 8, 51, Jesus makes this statement. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keeps my sayings, or my words, is that what he said? If a man... In other words, over in Proverbs, he said, if you'll do this, it'll add many years to your life under the law. But under the new covenant, he says, truly, truly, or verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keeps my sayings or my word, he shall 
never see death. Your Bible read like that too? Well, isn't that good news? So does that make it a little more important to control what you say? How would you like to live to be 120 and be in perfect health and running and playing and no sickness and disease? And all of a sudden the Lord said, okay, it's time for me to translate you out. Time to come to the house. And you said, Lord, let me cast out one more demon. Let me heal one more sick. And he said, that's it, son. That's it. That's the last one. And you just right there in midair, your, your spirit just jerked right out and take the heaven. Your, this perfectly healthy body just falls down on the ground and you get to go heaven like that. Can you think of a better way to do that, Rosemary? Oh, that's wonderful. Isn't that awesome? But how do, how do we get to do that? What does he say we had to do? Keep his words, his sayings. Do what he said. Is your words important? Oh, very. Now then, what if you don't? Let's look at this on the flip side. What if you don't keep his sayings? What if you do talk negative things all the time? What if you do talk death and destruction all the time? Guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to die early. In fact, I hate to use this as an example, but my own honey bunny's mother does not understand these principles. Does she, honey? And she spoke these negative things over her daddy. I mean, Cheryl was fighting tooth and nail faith to keep her daddy well. And her mother was constantly speaking negative things over her daddy until she finally killed him. Now, she would never, she would never acknowledge that, unfortunately. That she was the reason that he died when he did. But Cheryl stood in faith for him over and over and over and got him healed, get him out of the hospital, get all kinds of things. And her mother, her mother would turn right around and say all kinds of negative things and put him right back in it. Yeah, yep, yep. That's what she's constantly saying. Oh, I mean, goodness gracious, you know, he's going to have a stroke. I just know, you know, he's going to have a stroke. And guess what? He had a stroke. And it killed him. She just said, I just know he's going to have a stroke. I just know he's going to have a stroke. And she finally killed him. She finally spoke that over him. Does your words carry a lot of weight? If, what if you don't know these things? Do your words still carry weight? Yeah, it makes no difference. The principle. What if you're lost or saved? Does it make any difference? No. Doesn't make any difference. God put the principle here and your words, they carry lots of weight. Yes, ma'am. What I was going to say is the minute that you realize you're getting into fear, you know that the devil's got a hold of you. And that's what he was doing to her mother, was putting her into fear, and she was speaking that fear. Yeah, but see, her mother, she has no knowledge of these principles. Although she's been to church some in her life, and but the church that she's been to really doesn't do, in fact, very few churches that I have ever been to do a very good job of teaching you the Bible. I mean, you know, they teach a few little things, but... You know, what's most Bible studies? You go to a Bible study. I mean, I went to Bible study on Sunday morning in a Baptist church. And, uh, you know, we'd get there and we'd have 15 minutes together. We'd sing a song and we'd talk a little bit. And then we'd go into a classroom and then we'd talk about the weather and the things happened this week. And we may get 20 minutes of discussion about the Bible. Guess what I learned in 30 or 20 years in those kind of classes? Nothing. Nothing. Didn't learn a thing. Not a thing. But when I begin to read this book like we're reading it right now, Listening to what he's saying, I'm thinking, hey, I'm in trouble. <laughs> is, is, that the, is, is that what you got the same idea, Michael? God, if you mean what you say, I'm in trouble. He said, I mean what I say. 
But Lord, I didn't know these things. Oh, he said, well, let me take you back over to Leviticus 5.17 and let me show you a verse over there. Whether you know it or not, I hold you accountable for every word in this book. Are we in trouble? We're in trouble. So, if you believe that verse, and then you turn to John 11, and go just a little bit further over to the right after John 8, 51, go to 11, and I believe it's verse 26, Jesus makes another statement that's a little hard to swallow. Everybody tries to explain these things away, but this is what the king said. In verse 25, he says, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believeth thou this? Boy. Well, in in John 8, 51, what did you have to do to be able to never see death? Had to keep all of his words. All of his sayings. Well, what if I just mess up once in a while? Then you can't, li- you can't go without dying. You will see death. I mean, you know, God no respect your persons. He's the one wrote the book. He's the one give us the book. He's the one told us what to say. Now then, what if you said the wrong thing for a lot of years? Can you repent? Sure you can. And then if you start speaking the right things, can you add many years to your life? Yeah. Is that what he said? Yeah. Sure. If you, in Proverbs chapter 4 verse 10, when he says, Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of your life shall be many. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm really, since the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is already in me, and I'm serving the king, and I'm on earth, I'd just soon serve him here in the flesh. Let's go to heaven, hadn't you, Michael? Mm -hmm. Sure, I'd just soon serve him right here. I'm having so much fun, I can't stand it. Yes, I can stand it, Lord, I can stand it. You know, living becomes fun when you really understand the principles. I mean, it just, it just, whoo, it makes life fun, doesn't it, Cliff? I mean, it just, I mean, it changes everything me and you do, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you can, you can stop talking that old nonsense, you know, when, I mean, you listen to the average man when he passes 50 or 60 years old. Oh, I'm so old. You know, I can't get up in the morning. I can't do this no more. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sick and weak and I can't hardly go do nothing no more. You listen to the nonsense that comes out of their mouth. But women, they get past 30. <laughs> Walk into the mirror. Oh, my gosh. Look, I look, oh, look at that wrinkle right there. Oh, I'm getting so old. Listen to the nonsense that comes out of y'all's mouth, girls. Now, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You've done it. You've said it. Well, speak to your body. Walk in there and look at that thing. Say, body, I command you for the oil to flow perfect in that skin. And you will be lovely and beautiful. Because the Lord said he renews my youth daily like the eagles. So I ain't getting no older. I'm getting better. It takes faith to speak those kind of things. But if you'll speak the word of God, if you'll hide the word in your heart, your words are powerful. Powerful. Everybody that I've gotten healed, everybody that Jesus healed, except for a few, 
Jesus did a few creative miracles where he added something to it. But as a rule, how did he heal every human being? With what? Words. Same thing. Whenever I go and pray over somebody or you pray over somebody and you see God do a miracle, it happened through words. Words control this kingdom that you and I are in. Words control it. You must learn how to talk. Now then, like I told you a while ago, whenever Paul told us in Ephesians chapter 6, he said, put on the full armor of God. I don't have have any idea why it took me nearly a lifetime to understand that simple principle of what he was saying. When he said, gird your loins about with truth. Well, you know, I've heard people teach in class, well, you get up every morning and gird your loins about with truth. I didn't know whether that's right or wrong until finally one day I got the revelation. Hey, what he means there is tell the truth. When you gird your loins about with truth, if you don't tell a lie, he says the fiery dart of the devil cannot get through to you. Now, if the fiery dart of the devil, I mean, I think about how many people that I have done. This may sound absurd to you, but do you believe those darts of the devil are literal? Jesus says they are. So when you lie, when that fiery dart of the devil, when he's got that bow with that arrow in it, and you lie, he turns it loose and it hits you somewhere. Now, then, just like me the other day when I told that little lie, it hit me in the head in the form of a kind of a stopped up head. So after I get everything taken care of and find out what I did, then you reach up and grab that fiery dart and you pull it out in the name of Jesus. Now, by faith, I'm pulling that error out. And now I'm healed in the name of Jesus. You don't have any idea how many people had come up to me and said, I have a tremendous pain in my back. And I said, you got some sin? Well, they have. And I get their sin repented of, and I reach around on their back, and I said, now I'm going to pull that fiery dart out. And I reach up and I pull the dart out. And I've had some people say, my gosh, my pain just went away. The minute you pull that fiery dart out, the flaming dart of the evil one is putting pain in your body. How did that devil, how was he able to shoot that dart into you? You told a lie. And when you told a lie, you opened a door, you got a chink or a crack in your armor, and he fired that dart in there. Now he says, also put on the gospel shoes of peace. As long as you walk in peace, the devil can't get through to you. But... If you get out of peace for just a few seconds, he can shoot one of those fiery darts into you. You think Paul meant what he said? And all those things? Of course. You know, you have to do exactly what he says there. You have to realize all that is real and literal. It's a spiritual battle we're fighting. But those darts are real and you can't see them. But when you break any of those rules of God, that devil shoots that fiery dart into you, and he will put that dart in you, and wherever the pain is, that's where the dart hits you. So when you repent, the best thing to do is reach up and pull that devil's dart out and say, Now then, you fiery, you devil of hell, I'm pulling that fiery dart out, and I'm throwing that thing away by faith in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I've repented of my sins, so that beast can't stay in me. You say, what if I don't pull the dart out? Well, you may be sick for a while then. That flaming dart may burn for a week or two or three. 
I don't know about you, I'd rather pull it out and throw it down. Get it out of me. That way I can get well a whole lot quicker. But the Lord says there, if you'll keep His sayings and do what He says, it'll add many years to your life. I've taught you in the way of wisdom, and I have led you in right paths. Where thou goest, where thy steps shall not be strength, and when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Verse 13, take fast hold of instructions. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is your life. Instructions, that's what we're doing today. We're reading the instruction book. How many people were like I was when I was young that, I know none of y'all have ever been like me, but when I was 16 or 18 years old, I knew, I knew more than anybody on the earth. And what no mom and daddy knew what I knew. I mean, if you wanted to know something, ask me. I had all the answers. Any of y'all ever been like that? Any of y'all ever had a child like that? <laughs> you were like that. You had a child like that. So we know what we're talking about here, don't we? But see, if our children will listen, and are we're children. It makes no matter how old we are, we're children. So if the king is trying to teach us and we listen, it will add years of life to us. I mean, if you're still alive, there's hope. You know, there's hope. I mean, how many people have I seen that would be on their deathbeds with terminal sicknesses and diseases, and when you got their sins repented of and they did what the Word said, they got healed? We've seen that many a time, haven't we? I mean, many a time have we seen people, once they repent, they get healed. And then, praise the Lord, the secret is, what did Jesus say over there to the man? I think it was in the book of John. I don't know the scripture. I've read it many times, but I don't know the address of the scripture. When Jesus told the man, now I'm going to heal you, but stop sinning, lest something worse come upon you. Y'all remember that verse? What was he trying to say? I'm forgiving you. I'm healing you, but now stop sinning or something worse is going to come upon you. Now, how long had that guy been sick? All of his life. 38 years he had been an invalid. And, hey, that's pretty bad. But something worse is going to come upon him? Well, I'm going to tell you, whatever he had been doing, he better stop it. So sin brings sickness and disease. You want to live a long life? Then a lot of times we don't realize the power of our words Somebody said, well, gee, I would never commit adultery. I would never steal. I would never kill somebody. Okay. But you may kill somebody with your tongue. You may do something with your tongue that will put sickness and disease upon you or your mate or your children. It's amazing what can happen. Now, this says. Verse 14, he says, Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. That's pretty clear, isn't it? When people are doing these things, he said, Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. In other words, have nothing to do with evil. Now then, when you're a young person, and you go to a party, all young people want to go to parties. Want to go to a party? Somebody says, have you tried this new drug we got? No. Boy, try this. No, no, I don't do that kind of stuff. You wimp, what do you mean? I thought you was going to be one of the gang. Come on. You chicken. Just try it. And the average young man ain't got no guts, don't even know what it is. 
they'll fall to the stupid things of the devil. I mean, a young man's been taught the Word of God. I mean, if he knows, number one, he ain't going to them dumb parties. He ain't going to go there. He ain't going to find himself in that place. The Lord says, get far from those evil things. Don't get in the presence of that junk. Because the devil will kill you. I mean, you have no idea. Just like a young man I was witnessing to here a while back, 28 years old. I sat down in a cafeteria with this young man. I was talking to him about Jesus. Now, I said, Mr. Scrivener, it's okay for your age, you know, if you want to walk with God. But said, I want to have some fun. I said, son, you ain't never had no fun till you know Jesus. But I like to go out and party and do things. And they tell me if I were to become a Christian, I couldn't do that stuff. I said, man, you ain't never had a party till you become a Christian. When God throws a party, you can have a party. He didn't understand what I was saying. Just a few nights later, him and a bunch of the boys went out drinking and he had one of them cloth top jeeps. And he had too much to drink. And on the way home, he ran up on a curb and didn't have his seatbelt fastened. And when he ran up on the curb, he ran up there and had a little mound of dirt or something there. And went way up on it like this. And drunk as he was, he fell out on the ground. And then the Jeep turned right over on top of him and killed him. You know where the boy's at today? Burning in a lake of fire. I sure hope he had fun. You know what that boy would do today? They said, oh, where's that old man that tried to tell me about Jesus? Oh, if I'd only believed when he told me up there in that cafeteria that day. How many years is he going to suffer in that pain in that hell? Forever. There is no way out. That's what this book tells us about. But you would think that not only the young people today, but there's a lot of older ones that's taking that same path. Same path. You want to come up to me? I'm going to tell you I have no compromise with the Word of God. I don't yield to evil. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you say to me. I don't yield to things of evil. I don't want nothing to do with the devil. I only want to serve the living God. I love it when the king answers my prayer, don't you? Absolutely. And if you're walking... In the devil's world. Did you know? Did you know that I told two men today. One of the men was talking about how his son just come home from college last night, and the, some of the things that's happening and everything. And I told him, I said, "Well, the most important thing you can do for your children is teach them about God." He just kind of sat there silent, and he says, and "Then all of a sudden, he said, well, how could that help me?'" I said, "Because." There's great power in the Word. He said, what do you mean? I said, you've never seen an answer to prayer, have you? No. I said, let me tell you what God will do for you if you believe. And about that time, another guy walked in. And he's standing right there. And I'm telling this one. And I start and I tell them just a simple little thing that God did for Kelly. When he raised her up. In two and a half weeks, when the doctor said her head busted open, she might die. And if she didn't die, she'd have brain damage and be two and a half to three months before she could stand with a walker. And I said, because of the Word of God and faith, in two and a half weeks, she's back in school running and playing. And you know what they say? (laughs) That's 
That's impossible. That's unbelievable. You, you tell people these kind of stories. And I can only imagine what those two guys said when I got my stuff and left. <laughs> Can't you? <laughs> wow. That old dude, we need to do something with him. Lock him up or something. He's living in a fantasy world. Well, I don't live in a fantasy world, do I, Michael? I live in a real world. Isn't that amazing? Now, I don't know about you, but I love obeying this because I love seeing God do what he did for Kelly. Of course, Caitlin and all the rest of them. But all the people, we, we love what we saw him do for Dr. Gary the other day, didn't we? I mean, awesome. There are a guy laying there with a broken back, thousand miles away. I get to pray the prayer of faith for him. God instantly heals him. Wow. Hey, do you love to get your prayers answered? You've got to do what this Word says. You want to live a long, healthy life? Yes. You've got to do what this Word says. What does He say you've got to do to live a long, healthy life? Get wisdom, hide the Word in your heart, and believe it and act on it. And then watch what you say. You have to be very careful. In verse 16, it says, For these people, when he tells you to pass away, said, These people sleep not, except they have done mischief, and their sleep is taken away, unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is as darkness, and they know not at what they stumble. My son, verse 20, attend to my words. Attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. In other words, lean in there. What's he saying? Let me hear this real good. Let me get my little deal out. I will read it. In fact, let me get both of them up here. I want to really hear these good. In other words, don't, don't be like when your wife's talking to you and you're busy working on something. She says, honey, I love you. you say, okay, sure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> honey, I love you. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, right now. I'm busy right now. Comes over and taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, can I give you a kiss? He said, get out of here, girl, I'm busy. She said, wait, I want to give you a kiss. Okay, okay. No, you need to be tuned in. When she walks in, you say, hey, let me put this down. Whoa, let me grab you. Well, I go, sure, I was walking through here for any of y'all got here. I was putting the chairs out. She's coming in that door. And I said, woman, come over here right this minute. She said, yes. And she throwed her. She knew what I wanted. I wanted to just hold her. Just hold her a minute. Just tell her I love her. That's what I wanted to do. Just tell her I loved her. And she loves that. Because I'm her mate. We love each other. I want her to know I love her. Ain't nobody here except me and her and God. So I can just hold her and love her. You know, tell her how much I love her. We need to do that with God real regular too. You need to tell the king how much you love him. But you need to get away from this other stuff because... He says, my son, attend to my words, incline your ear into my sayings, and let those words not depart from your eyes. My sayings and my words, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for these words are life unto those that find them, and health to 
all their flesh. What's going to give you a long life and healthy life? Words. Isn't that amazing, right? That words will do that? Words brought you back to life, didn't it? Yeah, that, that gentleman sitting right there, right? A few months ago, or maybe a couple of years ago, whatever it was, I don't know, time gets by so quick, but he had a stroke and he believed God. He went to a doctor to get a diagnosis and the doctor confirmed and he felt, knew that's what was wrong because one whole side of his body, I think the left side, right side, one whole side of his body, mouth, everything, nothing worked. Had a stroke. I told him, I said, if you will believe God's word and stand on God's word and you will repent of every sin and you and your wife will walk holy before God and quote his word, I guarantee he promises in his word to restore you. But you're going to have to trust him and you're going to have to not take medicine from a doctor. So Ray went home and he got God's word out, him and his wife, and they pasted words, the scriptures everywhere, and they read them day in and day out. And within about six months, you were completely recovered, right, Ray? Today, you never know you ever had a stroke. What did it? What healed you, Ray? Words from a stroke. Now then, doctors usually can't do that kind of work, can they? They may help you a little, but when you've had a stroke... Most of the stuff that's spoken over you is, well, we'll do what we can, but you never fully recover from a stroke. I mean, you know, that's, that's a curse right there. Is, with God, is it possible to fully recover from a stroke? Yes. Sure, anything possible with our king, isn't it, Rosemary? It is. I mean, anything. We, all we've got to do is believe. He says, attend to my words. And these words will bring life to you and health to all your flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Keep your heart, your spirit. What does that mean? Keep your heart. Walk holy before God. Now, what if your heart says, well, I, I just like to go out and live in a little bit of sin. You know, I mean, I just want to run around with the guys and drink a little bit. Just maybe once a month or I just want to go out and, you know, there's a, there's a, the guys want to go downtown and there's some prostitutes down there and I just want to go down there just once in a while. I'm a young man and, you know, and I just, I mean, they're all going down there and having sex with these girls. Just once in a while wouldn't hurt anything, would it? Oh, yeah. It'll kill you. Have any of y'all ever watched anybody die with AIDS? Has anybody in here ever seen a patient die with AIDS? We got one back here. It's not very pleasant, is it? It's pretty gross what happens. Do you know they talk about spending all this money to stop AIDS, to stop venereal diseases? I have your answer. I can stop it overnight. All people got to do is stop sinning. You stop sinning, you won't ever have to worry about AIDS. You know, you don't have to worry about venereal disease. All you got to do is be faithful to your mate. That's all you got to do. You know, that's all you got to do. There won't be no more AIDS. There won't be no more venereal diseases. All you got to do is abstinence. No sex till you get married. When you marry your wife. Then it's wonderful. 
And let me tell you, let me tell you something. Something I have observed, especially since I've been a pastor. I never noticed these things until I came into the world, started ministering to people. But when I became a pastor, over the last few years, one of the things I have noticed, a man and a woman, it makes no difference whether it's a man or a woman. If you were promiscuous before you got married, or you were promiscuous during the time that you were married, a lot of times women will come down with some kind of a venereal disease or a problem with their female parts where they will not be able to enjoy a sexual relationship ever. And men, I have noticed men that were married one, two, or three times that had sex outside of wedlock, in other words, committed adultery, and were connected with a lot of pornography and all that kind of stuff. That's what their desires were. I've seen those men die with tumors in their eyes. I have seen those men, many of them, become impotent and couldn't have sex if they wanted to. What do you think they come out with this thing called Viagra for? Because men can't have sex. Let me tell you what. If you want to be able to enjoy a sexual relationship as long as you live, keep yourself clean and pure. And you won't never have to worry about having sex. If you only have sex with a person you're married to and you're faithful to God, you wouldn't have sex until you're a hundred years old and enjoy it. Guarantee it. You won't ever have to worry about impotency. But if you're promiscuous and you're hooked on pornography and you want to look at the trash of the world, I'm going to guarantee you what it's going to do to you. God is going to allow those demons to come into you to take those physical desires away from you where you can't do what you want to do and can't do what you enjoy doing. I've seen it over and over and over. I have ministered people in the last few years that were 40 and 50 years old. The men, there's no way they could have sex if they wanted to. And some of them couldn't even do it with Viagra. It wouldn't even work. Why? Every one of them was either involved in pornography or sex outside of marriage with their spouse. But that's what God's Word says. It's clear when you see it. So, He said, if you attend to my words and do what my words say, you can have a what? Long life and healthy life? How many of us want a long, healthy life? Hey, I do. I guarantee I do. So, then he says there, put away from thee a forward mouth. What does that mean? Put away from thee a deceitful mouth. A deceitful mouth. How can I be deceitful? Can I say the wrong things to you? Sure. Can you say the wrong things to your mate? Like I said a while ago, you say the wrong things to your children. And I don't know how many times I've been sick with a flu or a cold in my life. And my mother... Praise her soul. Bless her soul. She didn't know these things. My mother was trying to be a good mother. But I'm guaranteed some of you mothers have been just like my mother. If, if I, you know, I'd, I'd start to run outside and, and she'd ask me to run and get the mail or something. And I, we lived out in the country. And I mean, it may be 
40 degrees, you know, and I ain't got no shoes on, and I just run out the front door. Thurman, don't you go running out to put some shoes on. You'll catch your death of cold. Any of you mothers ever said that? You said that through to your Shelly? Something like that, right? You see, but we, we didn't know, did we? My mother didn't know. And so, of course, I go running out there in that cold ground, and I get the mail and come back. The next day, I got the cold. She said, see, just what I told you. You're running out there without your shoes on. I knew you was going to come down with the flu. See there? Now I'm going to have to doctor you and get you well. See, our words, our words, our words are our worst enemy. Or our words are our best friend. When you speak the right kind of words, it will bring health to all your flesh and long life to you. Your words are very important. Now he says you must put away a deceitful mouth and perverse lips put far from you. Perverse lips. Speaking the wrong things. For some of us, you're going to have to tape your mouth shut. For some of us, we'll literally have to tape it up. You know, it's hard to do what God says. But it all depends on what you want. And everybody wants to have a long, good, healthy life. But very few people are willing to listen to what God says and do what He says. Let your eyes look right on and let your eyelids look straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, and let all your ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove your foot from evil. Now then, if we take that straight and narrow path, the Lord told us in His Word over in the book of Matthew, He said, narrow is the path that leads to life. And few there will be that will find it. But he said, broad is the path that leads to destruction. And many there will be that will find that path. You don't realize, you think when you read that, you think, gee, he's talking about the adulterers and the murderers and all this kind of stuff. Those are the people, the gamblers and all this kind of stuff. That's who he's talking about. No, you can fit right into that same category with your words. With your words. In fact, if I can find it, I think it's in Ephesians 4. I want to read something to you there along that line. Uh, uh, that just hit me. And I think it's in uh, Ephesians 4. If I can. Not sure where that was, but there's a scripture just come to my mind. But I'm trying to think. Oh, it's Ephesians 5. Excuse me. Okay, Ephesians 5. Starting with verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Now, what is to be our example? God and His Word. We are to walk holy in obedience and we're to watch our words. He says, and walk in love. Walk in love as Christ has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication 
and all uncleanliness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting. Now you see, he put these words, these little storytelling and these jestings and things like this, he put them right in there with fornication and covetousness and uncleanliness. You ever think about that? You just tell a little, you know, oh, old, old Joe over there, you know, if you want something done right, just get Joe to do it. He can mess up anything. You hear people talk like that at work? Yeah, that's a cutting remark. That's a jesting. God tells us we as children of God are never to be involved in those kind of things. Those words. He said those words are cutting and that is sin. And that will cut your power off with God. The average person does not realize what the Word of God has to say about words. I mean, we understand when he says, be followers of God, although most of us don't even try to walk as God did. And then he says, and walk in love. When you walk in love, will you ever say anything bad about anybody else? No, no. As long as you're walking in love, you won't never make a bad statement about nobody. Now, is it hard to walk in love? Ooh, man, is it hard to walk in love. I mean, it's hard. I mean, all you got to do is, I mean, it's hard to walk in love when you just got one person. I mean, I was out there doing something the other day, just me. I was out there working on that building and Dave come up and he said, what's wrong with you? And I said, I'm fixing to fire me. Everything I've done today has been wrong. I got plumb out of a love relationship with me. See, isn't that amazing? You know, I was very upset because I'd done two or three things in a row and every one of them went wrong. Anybody ever done anything like that? You get mad at yourself? Hey, I was so mad at myself, I told Dave when he was, I said, I'm fixing to fire me and get me some good help. <laughs> I got plumb out of a love relationship with me, Michael. Can we do that? Sure we can. We can get upset with ourselves and we get out of a love walk. But God tells us, walk in love. As Christ has loved us. And then when he goes down through there, the fornication. Now, we in the church are supposed to know fornication is wrong. There's a whole lot of people in the church, they don't know that's wrong. But it is. That means young people or old people having sex that's not married. That's what that means. You just don't go there. No fornication. Then he said, well, okay, I know that's bad. Okay, and then uncleanliness. Wow. What all that covers. Uncleanliness. Call them unclean demons to you. Many different things you can do and bring unclean demons to you. Or covetousness. Oh yeah, I know we're not supposed to covet. God said in the Ten Commandments, the last commandment, Thou shalt not covet. Okay. But see, we don't mix those in with the next one. Filthiness. Neither filthiness. Nor foolish talking. Foolish talking. What is foolish talking? Can anybody give me an example of what foolish talking would be? I can tell you. I can give you an example. Just like Cheryl and I was talking about a while ago when her mother had no knowledge of the things she was saying over her daddy. That was foolish talking 
when she was saying, he's going to have a stroke. I just know he's going to have a stroke. She said that I don't know how many times. And guess what he had? A stroke and it killed him. You can kill your mate with your tongue. Open the door. It's amazing, isn't it? Neither foolish talking nor jesting, which are not suitable for the kingdom of God, but rather giving of thanks. If you're going to say something about you, mate, praise God and thank Him for that woman you got. Right, David? Amen. Amen. Put your arm around her and say, Woo, honey, you're the most beautiful thing i ever seen. Woo, I love you. I thank the Lord. Cheryl and I do that we, for each other. We do that real regular. I mean, it's awesome. Yeah, we do that on a regular basis. You know, I'll be, I'll be holding her or something. I said, Lord, I want to thank you for my wonderful woman you've given me. I want you to know how much I love her. When, you're, when your hubby tells you that, does it make you feel good? Sure. Well, see, you need to tell him that too. Makes him feel good too. Absolutely. We need to do that to each other. Not just the guys to the women, but the women you need to tell your husbands. Tell him thank you for all the hard work he does to support you and to provide for you and the children. Thank him. Hug him. Tell him how much you love him. All these good things. But don't, don't have none of this jesting. And, you know, sometimes all we do, if we talk, if we say something, we don't, if we can't say something bad, we don't say nothing. You know, we just say bad things. You know, you lazy critter, you, when I married you, if I knew you was going to be like this, I'd have got me another. You know, I mean, we say those kind of things. You hear people talk like that. Well, if you want to be blessed from God, you're going to have to do what He says. And like I say, for some of us, in fact, I was teaching on this down in the uh, East South Texas a year or so ago. And one of the men, or maybe it was the guy in Florida when I was teaching in Florida. The guy got up and wherever it was I was, he said, I'll have to put a whole roll of duct tape around my head to stop talking. His mouth. He said, my mouth is my worst enemy. I said, brother, it's all of us our worst enemy or our best friend. So when you get a hold of what God said here in His Word, if you will put away all this stuff. Now, we should know fornication is not right. We should know that. And uncleanliness or covetousness, we should know those. But you'd be amazed at the people that have foolish talking or jesting in the workplace that are Christians. How many of you in here that are Christians, have Christian friends that are working in the workplace, and they have that foolish talking or jesting, and you hear that on a regular basis? Have you heard it? Sure. Nearly every one of us have. Of course, the thing about it is, a lot of us have done it too. So what we need to do is repent and tell God we're sorry, and Lord, I will stop doing these foolish things. I will say what your Word says. Your Word says, you, you said speak a blessing. Even over your enemy. He says, do not return evil for evil. But when somebody even does something wrong to you or treats you wrong, you're supposed to not return evil for evil, but you're supposed to receive, return to them a blessing. Why? So that you may inherit a blessing. In other words, what do we not understand when the king says treat them like you want to be treated. If you treat them 
then I right, then I'll treat you right. And it shall be returned to you. Just like the king said in Luke six thirty-eight. That's his, that scripture right there is the scripture that I have based the ministry around in my area of what I do with all this media. When I started out, one or two tapes a day wasn't too bad. Then when it got up to two or three a day or a week or a box and then a hundred. And today I bought 6,000 CDs, 2,000 more DVDs and 1,500, 120 tapes. Somewhere between three and $5,000 a week we're spending for blank media. And guess what? I still give it away. You all come in here and fill your sacks full and take it home and give it to everybody. And that's exactly what we want you to do. Because when you give it away, nobody can say we're trying to get rich by selling our stuff. Is that right, David? So, so then who do we have to trust? The Lord. So if the Lord, if what we're doing pleases the king, guess what he'll do? He'll move on the hearts of people to send enough money to pay all the bills every week. And guess what he's done every week? Not one single bill has gone unpaid in our ministry ever. Never have I had to wait till the next week to make a payment on something. Or never have any of the people that work for us had to wait till next week to get their pay. It's always there every week. Why? Because God says, give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall man give into your bosom, because with the same measure you use to give, it shall be returned to you. So, that's why I say, Lord, we just give it away. Because I know, if what I'm doing is you, you're going to give back to us enough money to pay all the bills every week. You won't ever hear me get on the radio and say, oh, if you don't give us some money this week, we're going off there next week. You ain't never going to hear me say that. Because that, that means I'm not living in faith when I do that, doesn't it, Shelley? I ain't living in faith when I go there. I say, Lord, I know you take care of the bills. I'm doing what you told me to do. And I know you're going to bless us. And you're going to make sure everybody that works for us gets paid every week. And you're going to pay all of our bills. And I know it's done in Jesus' name. And so far, it has been done. And I know as long as I keep doing what the king says, not only, not only does he pay our bills, but he answers our prayers out there, doesn't he, Gloria? Woo! That's the part we love. I mean, that's more so than the other. We love to see people's lives change, and we have to watch our words, don't we? Oh, yes, we do. All of us, we have to watch our words. But when we watch our words and speak the right kind of words, God continues to bless us and continues to save and heal people, multitudes of them. And I love it when God does these miracles that he does for us. Oh, I love that. It's just so wonderful. So, what is important from that ch- the few little places we went tonight? What is important? Words. What's going to control your life? Words. Now, either the words of the devil or the words of God. The words of God is going to bring a long, healthy life to you. The words of the devil is going to bring death and destruction and a short life to you. Amazing, isn't it? There was a scripture in here. I don't know if I can find it right now. If I can, I'm going to find this one verse in, in, in Proverbs. And I think it was in Proverbs 15. 
I was reading that today, and I, I'm, if I can find it, I don't remember. I, I think it was in Proverbs 15. It might not have been. Maybe it was. Maybe it was back over there in five. Somewhere where I was reading here, he was talking about. Uh, I was looking for hmm, just 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 one minute here. Let me try. I should have not said this because I just it, I, when I read that I thought you know how many times have I read that, and it uh, really. And what I'm looking for is the one where he says. You will, if you do these things and you sin, you will give yourself to the cruel. That's the one I was looking for. And uh, I forget, I was thinking that was in Proverbs 15 where I read that. But uh, I will have to find that. But anyway, what he's saying there, what, and I don't know where that is, but anyway, if you're a disobedient child of God, you will give your life to the cruel. Do you know who the cruel is? Satan. So if every person, especially young people, understood that when you break God's laws today, it doesn't make any difference whether you're by yourself, you're never by yourself. God and the devil is always with you. And when you break God's spiritual laws, he will send the cruel the devil of hell, to you to torment you. And he will, that devil, that cruel one, will put sickness and disease upon you. He will shorten your life and all kinds of devastating things. If there was ever a time in history where every child needs to be taught these principles so that they can walk holy in obedience to God's Word. Because I think about this one beautiful little girl that I knew. She was so clean and pure in high school. She was such a sweetheart. She wouldn't go with nobody. She was a beautiful girl. Well, she went off to college, and she ran into a boy that she fell head in lo- over heels for. He was the quarterback, star quarterback on the college football team, and he was a hunk of boy. And she fell in love with him, and he was going with her, and he tried everything where he found out she was a virgin. She didn't go there. She tried everything in the world to conquer her. And she said, no, no, I don't. I will never have sex till I get married. But he kept enticing her until one day at the wrong time, she finally said yes. And they had sex one time. And he didn't know it, but he had AIDS. And in one year, she was dead. One year, she was dead. Had sex with a boy she loved, but he had AIDS because he had been promiscuous and no telling how many girls he'd had sex with. But let me tell you, he killed her. And let me tell you, the life he will live will be awful and the death he will die will definitely be awful. And why? Because of his promiscuous lifestyle. And this book clearly teaches that's what will happen to people that do that. And the average person today, especially young people in school, I'm going to tell you that it is so awesome, the number of young people today, the time they get out of high school, that's already had a sexual encounter. 
And they don't have a clue that they're dealing with a time bomb, a demon of hell. And Satan comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. So all I can say is it's time the church starts shaping up, listening to their God, and do what he says so we can walk holy and obedient and we can walk in his power. And when we pray for people, he hears us. And so we walk in a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And when you do that, you'll get some people's attention. But you can, if you don't do it in the presence of some people, you can tell the kind of stories that some of us have encountered and had uh, uh, experiences in the average Christian today. They won't even believe them. Won't even believe it. How sad when the church don't believe the power of God. Well, Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you've taught us from the book of Proverbs. Lord, I study this book regular, but still I don't study it enough. But, Lord, help me, as well as all of us here, to control our words. To be totally truthful in everything we do so we don't open no doors to the devil. And help us, Lord, to get rid of our proud spirits, our boastful spirits, that we can walk holy. Because you said you hate the proud and you're far from them. So, Lord, I don't want to be proud. I want to be humble so you'll walk with me because I want to walk with you. And, Lord, be with us. Convict us of your word. Lord, I have presented the word of God to this little group of people tonight. Now, Lord, may your Holy Spirit convict each one of us that this word is true and that we will walk holy and obedient to it from now on. And we praise you and thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.